All right, so if asked, most of us would love to be in that position right there. We'd celebrate like that, have some sort of opportunity for career advancement. It's one of the things that motivates us when we go to our jobs. At least for most people, that's true. If there's a clear path to advancement, research studies show that people are happier, they're more engaged in their job, they're willing to work a little bit harder. If they see a clear path forward to be able to improve their work situation, try to go for a promotion. And even if you aren't particularly, maybe you're at a job right now where you're not particularly excited about, or you're not gung-ho, or you're not you know, waking up at 6.30 in the morning and saying, yes, I cannot wait to go into work. Anybody like that? Yeah, I didn't think so. All right. Oh, man, there are a couple people uh, like that. Well, I am thrilled for you. That, that is great. That is, that is awesome. But even if you aren't gung-ho, the, the thought of maybe a little bump in pay, some extra, extra vacation time would be nice, maybe some perks, and maybe, if we're honest, maybe a, just a little bit extra power over our subordinates wouldn't be too, too bad. A little bit of nervous laughter there. All right, that's, that, that's fine. Uh, in fact, I think that you and I, if we were to sit down and study the Bible together, we can make the argument that if you follow the principles of the Bible, uh, that if we live our lives the way that God has called us to, and even follow the example of Jesus and how he interacted with people and lived his life, that there's a reasonable general expectation that the fruit that we bear as Christ followers would, would lend itself to maybe a little bit of promotion, a little bit of extra responsibility. Those things work together really well when we approach our work and our jobs. One of the guiding principles that encompass all of us in how we do our work, whether in a position we want to be in or not, is something Paul identifies in Colossians chapter 3. In verses 23 and 24, he says, whatever you do, and in context, his example is, is not in a situation any of us would want to be in, but whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whether we're employees, whether we're owners, we're managers, maybe we're homemakers, we're teachers, we're volunteers, there's always room for advancement. There's room for promotion, moving up levels in how we experience our responsibilities. And being promoted within our individual context is something that makes sense for all of us to do our work in such a way as to be worthy of it. And so it's something that we celebrate, it's joyful. If we are promoted, we gain that, and, and that's great. And even, even if we don't, we know we can be content because we've done our job well. Promotion, it can be, can be a fantastic thing. It can also be something that we have to overcome. And I'm hoping that in a list of things that we talk, we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about uh, adversity, we've talked about temptation, we've talked about discouragement, that the idea of having to overcome promotion, I'm hoping it's just a little provocative, at least, like that maybe one of these things doesn't seem like it's part of the others. That, that well, I mean, promotion is just a great thing. I mean, that, that, that's always a healthy, it's always something that, that works out well for everybody involved, right? None of us have ever had a boss that we thought didn't do a great job at their job. So, Promotion is always a good thing, of, of course. I mean, that's, that's just obvious. It's easily apparent. It seems like if we're talking about promotion today, then we're just talking about what Joseph has finally earned and deserved from God as a reward for all the junk that he's put up with up to this point in his life. And so this is going to be amazing. And this feeling that we have, generally speaking, when we think about advancing in our jobs and what we do in our life is kind of this 
we base this idea on this idea that if, if I finally achieve what I've been striving for, then I will have arrived. Like, everything will be set. If I finally have everything, all my ducks in a row, if I achieve all my goals, if I get to that, that position that I've been striving for, been studying for, been working towards, then, then that's when I know everything will be set for me. And it's precisely why so many people make advancement in their lives but still feel discontent. And that's for this reason. Promotion in our life is not an arrival. It's, it's not like, oh, I finally made it to where I'm supposed to be. Promotion, promotion is just a reorienting of responsibility for us. And sometimes we get a little bit more than what we bargain for when we get into that promoted position. And so let me try to illustrate this with a, with a personal story. Uh, it's coming up to baseball season. We've already had to register Seth, who loves to play baseball. Well, actually, there's a caveat to that. He, he likes to play baseball uh, and wanted to play this season. We've registered him. Baseball season's coming up. Last year, uh, he made the All-Stars team, which was really cool. Some of you guys know the story. In fact, I was sharing the story with somebody in small group this week. He made the All-Stars team, and we were excited. It was great. First time that he'd been invited to do that. So played in regional tournament. They won. Played in the state tournament. They won. So we actually went to the Dixie Youth League World Series. Which is, which is pretty cool, coach pitch. You know, that was the age range that we're going. And we were the youngest team that was there. Goochland was the youngest team that was there. We had the smallest pool of talent and players to pull from in the tournament. We made it into the playoffs further than any other team had, had done uh, for, for our region. And, and that was really cool. It was something we celebrated. We had a blast. It was also five-plus months of baseball last year. And so I think I get it when a few weeks ago we were on our way home from basketball practice and Seth looked over at me and he said, Dad, I have something I, I want to I tell you and I think you're going to be disappointed. I mean, just as serious as an eight-and-a-half-year-old could possibly be. I said, oh, okay. I had no idea what he was about to say. I had no context for what he was thinking. He said, I don't think I want to play baseball this season. And, and you know how, like, here's a great teachable moment as a parent. You know how there's some, sometimes you feel things inside that you shouldn't show on the outside? <laughs> this is one of those moments. And so I, I just want to let you know I, I, handled it, I handled it well. And sure, I was disappointed to be here, hear that, but very calmly I said, hey, bud, you know, well, why do you say that? What's, what's going on? And so we, we talk about it, and, and very, very reasonably, you know, we have, have this discussion, and basically, it's just, it was a long season. I mean, those kids had a blast at the beginning, but then practice kept happening every day throughout the week. We kept having to travel an hour and a half, like, for five days in a row, just one way to get to tournaments and that kind of thing. And by the end of all of that, they were exhausted. And so I think Seth, when he was thinking about playing baseball again, he was thinking about all of that. See, promotion can be a great thing. It can be something that we celebrate. I mean, he got pulled up. He got bumped up to all-stars, and that was amazing. We had a blast. It was a great season. They did a great job. <laughs> he was also exhausted and maybe got a little miserable towards the end of that. Now, he is playing baseball. This season, we did sign him up after a couple of days. I mean, he wanted to play after we talked about that and said, hey, you don't know that you're ever going to be on all-stars again. I mean, probably never go to the World Series again. That was like a once-in-a-lifetime type of deal, and that was really cool. But you're not going to sit around and play video games all summer either. You know, you're going you're gonna to do something. Uh, but it was one of those things that sometimes, sometimes promotion is something that we have to overcome. We get more than we bargain for. There's a caution to be careful about how we strive to earn and desire 
what we deserve because with it comes the responsibility to handle it properly, knowing that it's not just about us and not just about what we want and achieve in our life, but it's also about God at work in us and what he's doing through us. And so Joseph is a positive example of how to deal with this and navigate through this in our life. So we're going to connect these dots as we look in Genesis chapter 41. And we're going to catch up with Joseph is now. It's been two years since he was forgotten in prison by the cupbearer. And Pharaoh has a couple dreams one night. Pharaoh has this dream, and they're, uh, they're pretty disturbing. He has a dream that seven healthy cows are eaten by seven sickly, scrawny cows. And the seven sickly, scrawny cows don't get any bigger after eating them. And then he has this dream that, uh, that seven heads of grain were eaten and consumed by seven unhealthy heads of grain, and so he's kind of freaking out. He's not sure why he's having this recurring theme of this dream, so he asks all of his wise men, all of his magicians, all the people that should be able to tell him what all this means. He gathers them together and says, what in the world's going on? They can't tell him. They have no clue, and then the cupbearer finally remembers Joseph. He's like, oh yeah, there's that one guy who's pretty good at dreams, and so he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. He remembers him, and how Joseph, a young Hebrew, had not only interpreted the dreams that he and that former baker had had, but that events unfolded exactly as he said they would. And so in Genesis chapter 41, verse 14, Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when, you're, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph said, absolutely, I'm the best at what I do, and it's about time I got recognition for it. Okay, he didn't say that. Verse 16, I can't do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So once Pharaoh tells Joseph about the dreams, Joseph is able to tell him because of God, who he gives all the credit for in this, for why he's able to perform this task with excellence. He tells him, he said, hey, over the next 14 years, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be seven years of abundance, overabundance and harvest, and it's going to be amazing. And then seven years after that, there's going to be a horrible famine that devastates the land. And so he shares this with Pharaoh, but he didn't just stop there. He also goes into telling Pharaoh exactly what he would do if it were him in the situation and had to prepare for this. He didn't end you know, with the interpretation, he launches into this advice to Pharaoh about exactly what he should do in order to take care of the famine that's, that's come to mind. Now, keep in mind the context here. Hebrews are not well regarded by the Egyptians. Joseph is this slave who's been imprisoned by these things he's been accused of. And even though he knew that he didn't do them, the Pharaoh didn't know that about him. And he goes into this explanation of all the things he would do if he were in charge. It's kind of a weird situation that he's in here. You'd think maybe he would just kind of keep his mouth shut and see what happens. But he flows naturally into this confident role of a manager of resources. Because if you remember, when we look back, even the time that he spent in prison and even the time that he was a slave in Potiphar's household, one of the things that became very clear and evident is that God had gifted Joseph with the ability to be able to manage people's stuff. Because both Potiphar and the warden of the jail ended up giving Joseph all the responsibility of taking care of everything in their household because of how well he had handled those things. And so what Joseph had done is he had shown this pattern of responsibility regardless of how 
big the position was or how much prestige came along with it, he did his job well simply because it was the right thing to do and he knew he was doing it to God's glory, not his own. And so he naturally, not out of arrogance, not because he thinks he has all the right answers, but just because he's done this and he's done a good job at it, he tells the Pharaoh, hey, here's what you should do to prepare for this. Genesis chapter 41, verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. And so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people who are to submit to your and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Boom. Joseph, man, he's finally arrived. This is amazing. This is great. There's no one more powerful than him other than Pharaoh. And so Joseph leans over to Pharaoh and says, Hey, uh, you know a guy named Potiphar? Some things I want to talk to you about him. No, he, 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 does, he doesn't do that. But, man, think, think about this. And, and, and where maybe, you know, naturally speaking, I, I would kind of want to take the message in a way, like, how do we get promoted like Joseph? Like, that would, that would be the thing. But the, but the reality is what we really need to look at is how do we not get corrupted by a promotion like so many other people in Scripture do when they're blessed by God with position and success in their life? See, one of the interesting things about Joseph is that he's very consistent throughout his entire life and how he follows God no matter what situation he finds himself in. Most of the people that we read about and that we study about in Scripture, they get put in these great positions and they screw it up. I mean, you don't have to spend much time looking at all the kings that ruled in both, uh, in, in both kingdoms for the nation of Israel and in Israel and in Judah. Man, what a time for Joseph to be alive. He'd finally arrived. He could do anything he wants and wants a little bit of power without using it, right? He can finally set his own schedule. He can finally make someone run around for him for a change. It's good to be the king. It's good to be the boss. It's all about a little bump in pay, a little bit bigger office. People defer to you now. And you know that if you had a boss that only cares about that, maybe you do right now, that you and everybody else around you are going to be pretty miserable pretty quickly if that's all they care about. See, promote, positions of power are meant for promoting the well-being of others. And this is one of those kind of upside-down upside teachings of the kingdom of God that don't necessarily makes sense when you look at how our culture and society generally handles positions of power and authority. See, this is one of the things that Jesus taught about. He was very clear, especially when he was teaching and speaking against the religious leaders and rulers of the day that he so often was at odds, odds, at, odds with. And he talks to them at one of their houses, one of these rich Pharisees that Jesus is with in Luke chapter 14. And he uses this parable to explain how not to act when it comes to being in a promoted position. He says, when you noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table at this rich ruler's house, rich Pharisee's house, he told them this parable. He says, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat, and then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. 
For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. One of the things that are, are often uh, married together with promotion is uh, this idea is in order to get promoted, we need to self-promote, that we need to promote ourselves. And what that really only does is make us more lonely <laughs> as we only focus on what we want out of a situation versus the well-being of everyone involved as we do our work or as we lead in our positions of responsibility. You could end up with all the outward trappings of promotion, and yet by abdicating the responsibility that you have for everybody in your care, you're going to remove the joy that you're meant to experience through that promotion. Joseph was 30 years old when he came into this position. He had seven years to live it up. And yet this is the description of what he did after he becomes this powerful person in the land of Egypt. Genesis chapter 41, he goes out from Pharaoh's presence, he travels throughout Egypt, and during the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. And to be honest, this sounds flat out boring to me. He doesn't, he doesn't really do anything other than exactly what he said they should do, the advice that he had given. He doesn't let it go to his head even a little bit. I mean, at least be a little relatable, right, right, Joseph? He's fairly unique from everyone else, like I mentioned before, written about in the Bible. He's this positive example of how to use the positions of leadership and responsibility that God gives us. And here's, here's how he does it. Here's why this promotion wasn't a problem for Joseph. What got you there relieves the pressure of being there. This is something that Joseph remembered and lived out and modeled in his life. Joseph was so good at his elevated position because he put into practice all the work that he had done in all of his previous lower positions. There's this, there's this secret about how people get good at their jobs. And I know every once in a while I drop these, these bombs and it's going to blow your mind. But do you know, do you know how people get great at these, their jobs? They, they do them. And I know that's kind of a, a, a stunner. It's like, wait, what? Wait, what? Really? No, they, the, the way that somebody becomes great at what they do is because they've done it so much. And they're able to replicate that, and they're able to teach that, and they're able to mentor somebody else in doing it. That's how they become good at it. They're a continual learner. They continue to strive to be better at, at, at what they do. They actually do their job. There are no shortcuts to take. And if Joseph in all those previous positions had taken shortcuts or he'd taken credit for somebody else's work or he had lied about his qualifications or what he was able to do and he hadn't put the effort in, he would have been very quickly exposed in his brand new position. He simply followed the advice that he originally gave and followed through on the responsibility that was required to perform his job. Obviously, he delegated, and obviously, there were, there were things that are a little bit different on the scale in which he was working and that kind of thing, but he didn't abdicate his responsibility. He didn't hand it off to someone else. The burden of what he was called to do rested on his shoulders, and he was faithful in bearing it. And listen, the more you improve, the more responsibility you shoulder, the more pressure you're going to be under. And the only way you're going to make it through that is to remember what got you there in the first place. And it is, as a Christ follower, hopefully as you're doing your work for the Lord and not for yourself, it's, it's God who got you there. 
He's the one who got you there. And he's the one who's going to be faithful to help you stand up under the responsibility and the pressure that you have as a result of being in that promoted position. Because he's really the boss anyway. Seeking promotion on the right foundation helps us to maintain the right perspective in the midst of it. Joseph viewed his task as simply preparing for what God said he was going to do through Pharaoh's dreams. And because he trusted that it was more about God than himself, he was able to perform his responsibility well. Which brings us to the second thing. This is, this is the second thing that, that Joseph modeled for us. Is that humility is the only healthy path forward. And I get that there are a lot of, in our culture and society, there are a lot of brash, loud personalities that get into positions of power and authority, seem to have a whole lot of influence over our lives. But it's not healthy. And it's not good. It's not good for the well-being of all. Humility is the only healthy path forward. And giving the glory to God, working as if God is our boss, because he is, he's who we're serving, Jesus is who we're serving, and not only helps to relieve the pressure, but with the proper humility and a position of leadership, the temptations of power are weaker because they're going to come with more power. The temptations are going to come to abuse it and to wield it in a way that's not befitting the responsibility. And the inevitability of criticism that's going to come, that's going to sting less as well. Temptations are going to be weaker. Criticism is going to sting less. Because you're also going to get, trust me, the more leadership you have, the more responsibility you have, the more promotion you have, the more criticism, criticism that's going to come in your life as well. And the only way that you're going to be able to combat that in your life is by approaching it in humility, recognizing that God's bigger than you in this, and he's the one who got you there in the first place. And he'll take care of it. Have you ever heard of the Peter principle in, Peter, in, in leadership? In, in hierarchical leadership, you know what the Peter principle is? All right. This is the Peter principle. Every employee tends to rise to their level of incompetence. Now, to be clear, rises to their level of incompetence. Not competence, but incompetence. You're like, wait a second. That didn't, that didn't sound very encouraging. Well, think about some of the bosses you've had. You're like, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely rose to their level of incompetence. And then, you, and then you start to think about yourself. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. I don't know if I like that. It's a little, all right, a little bit of tension in the room. That's okay. We'll, we'll focus more on the bosses then. But don't, don't get too self-conscious about it. Because there are always opportunities to grow and continually improve. And to do so, humility is the foundation with which we do that. It, it's the way, it's the primary path forward to healthy promotion. And not just humility with our employer and our employees and the people of peers, the people that we work with, but with God as well. Here's what Proverbs 18 says, in verse, starting in verse 10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. The point being that it's not too high a wall to scale. Verse 12. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. See, Joseph, in the midst of this newfound responsibility, position of power, even in the naming of his sons, makes his life's work and promotion about God being at work in his life. He names his firstborn son Manasseh and says, it's because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. 
And the second son he names Ephraim and says, it is, better, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So promotions are a great thing. They should be celebrated. Something arguable that we should even strive for as a result of our work and our effort being as if we're doing it for God. Just make sure, we need to make sure that we steward them in a godly way so that the pursuit of promotion and the receiving of promotion aren't something that we're going to have to overcome. And to be perfectly clear and to be perfectly frank, there's only one promotion that really matters when it comes to this side of heaven. And what we, what we go after in this life, the energy that we put it, pour into, the time and, and resources that we have, there's really only one that matters. And it's really clearly spelled out to, to me, like this is, this is what I want to hear from God when it comes to an accounting of my life and how I've spent my time and efforts. And it comes from Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. If it's, it's in the midst of a parable that Jesus tells. And, and he's speaking of these servants and how they've served, served their master. In verse 21, uh, this is what the master replies uh, to two of the servants. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That, that's really what matters here. Everything else that comes along, it's, it's tertiary. It's, 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 it's an aside. It's, sometimes it's an extra bonus or something that seems like it's, it's going to chip away at some of this happiness. But, but that's really what matters. And everything that comes through that, that flows through that, are the blessings that God wants us to be able to experience because we've made it about him. We've made our efforts, what we strive for, what we seek to earn and deserve, we, we've, we've made it about him. And it, it's something that he's offered to us all freely already anyway. And so just like Joseph, we have an opportunity to be reminded in how we, we seek advancement in our life that, I mean, if we, if we put God first, regardless of whether or not we're in a position we want to be in right now, he's going to take care of it in the end. That he's going to put us in the position that he wants us to be in. And that we can continually honor honoring him no matter where we are with what we're doing, with how he's gifted us, and we can bring glory to, to him uh, through that. One of the things that we do every week at Velocity to kind of keep ourselves grounded and reminded of that is we take communion with, with each other. Because that's the offer is, is that, you know, so, so often it seems like the weight of the responsibility that we have in, uh, in our areas of, of leadership, the things that we're responsible for, it seems like it's squarely on our shoulders. But the reality is that Jesus took it all on his. Um, and, and that God simply invites us to be able to partner with him in, in what he's already done. And so we're going to be reminded of that in this time right now as we take communion. I'll just pray for us before we do that together. God, we thank you for um, just a clear path forward in life and how to uh, experience the life that we don't have to earn from you. Uh, and it, it's not something we have to deserve. It's something that you freely offer to us through your son, Jesus. And God, we ask that uh, as, as we pr pursue um, just, just doing well uh, in the things that you've tasked us with and, and given us responsibility, responsibility over, God, help us uh, to remain grounded uh, that, you, uh, that you've already taken care of it for us through Jesus, the things that matter, and that the real thing uh, that we should all seek and pursue is, is you telling us uh, that you think that we've done a good job, um, that, that we've brought you happiness because you brought us wholeness through Jesus. 
We praise you for that, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.